Well, hey, New Vision family, this is Ben Curtis, and thanks for joining us today as we continue our podcast series through the Gospel of John. Today's reading is going to be in John chapter 18, verses 1 through 27, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. When he, Jesus, had finished praying, he left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side of there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. And Jesus said, when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas, who was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together, I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what it is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. You know, I think one of the great things about having four Gospels is that each of these Gospels give us a slightly different perspective. And by that, I don't mean they contradict each other in any way, 
but they just give us a, a different angle. They give us different details that otherwise we wouldn't have known. And they all, all these details, all these perspectives complement each other. I think probably for most of us, if, if you're familiar at all with this story and the description of these events, you're probably familiar with the one in Matthew and Mark and Luke, because in those gospels, we see it's a little bit different. Jesus is in great agony and, and, and he even prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so in those gospels, in the synoptic gospels, he's struggling. He's, he's weary. He needs encouragement. So he asks his disciples to pray with him and, and to pray for him. But you remember the story, they keep falling asleep. And, and then Jesus gets frustrated with them and, and rebukes them several times. And But John here, it's interesting, John um, kind of just shows us a different angle of this exact same story. John wants us to see that even while that was going on, Jesus was very much fully aware. Jesus was in complete control of everything that would happen. And, you know, John gives us details in his gospel that the uh, other gospels don't. So, for example, only John tells us that the Roman soldiers were were involved uh, in addition to the Jewish officials. And, and so um, we don't know exactly how many. I think the Greek word, it's translated band or cohort. Um, it could mean 600 men, but it could also only refer to 200. And it may have even been fewer than that. But the important thing is, is that this this mob of people, these these uh, these uh, soldiers, are being led by man who had traveled with Jesus for three years. Um, he had witnessed Jesus perform miracles, like walking on water and calming a storm and feeding a multitude and casting out demons and healing the blind, all of these things. And I imagine this must have been a hard blow for the disciples to endure. I mean, we get that the Roman government and the religious leaders don't like Jesus. We understand they're coming against him. But Judas, one of our own, and and the disciples in this moment, I mean, they just think the world is coming unglued. But again, Jesus, I love verse 4, it says, Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him. And so he knew that all of these things were unfolding just as God had planned. He didn't run. He didn't hide. He was brave. In fact, he even, I love the fact that he stepped forward and, and, and kind of protected his disciples. And he says, who is it that you want? And then when they answered Jesus of Nazareth, he responds with, well, I, I told you that I'm he. And it's interesting, a lot of translations, um, they actually add that pronoun he, but it's not in the original. Uh, translators have inserted the word he or the pronoun he uh, so that it'll make sense to us in English. Uh, but in the original, it just says, I told you that I am. And and so, you know, through studying John's gospel, we know exactly anytime Jesus says, I am, we know what that means. It's his way of communicating that he is Yahweh, that he is God in the flesh. He is in complete control of this situation. And the moment that he makes that announcement, I am, is so powerful. Verse 6 says, they drew back and they fell to the ground. And, and listen, you, you know, you can try to explain that away and figure out, well, what exactly happened, but let's just take it at face value. The forces of hell, the Roman army, the religious elite, seems like the whole world is gathered against the Lord and his anointed. And in this moment, he says, I'm God. And they're just so overwhelmed and they just fall down. And so here's the point John is making. Jesus allowed them to arrest him. Jesus would willingly go to the cross for us because he was on a mission. He had a purpose. He had a, a cup to drink because he loves us. 
And in verses 8 through 9, Jesus says, if you're, if you're looking for me, then let these men go. This happened, it says, so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. And so you see what Jesus is doing there? He's in charge. He's, he says, take me, not them. I think this is one of the greatest demonstrations of love that we'll ever see, Jesus placing himself between his enemies and his disciples. And he's going to do that in in an even greater way as he places himself between his enemies and and the wrath of the Father uh, when he goes to the cross and experiences God's anger for us in our place. Now, what I love about John, and there's so much here and we can't cover all of this, but John is just such a good storyteller. And I probably didn't read this in a way that actually does it justice, but he tells this story in a way that's just building this sense of suspense. Like Jesus, after this, he's arrested, he's carried to the home of Annas, and and um, and, and then all but two of Jesus' disciples, they have all kind of just fled out into the night. They're fearful for their lives, and they're thinking they may be arrested at any moment as well. But two of them are watching all of these events from a distance, and John just kind of starts this back-and-forth rhythm between Jesus and Peter. So you see Jesus one minute uh, being tried and then back to Peter. And so in verses 15 through 18, we're outside and we're in the courtyard, and Peter's going to be interrogated by this little slave girl. And I love that contrast because you have Jesus inside the house and he's being interrogated by the former high priest. I mean, this is the most powerful man in first century Judaism, the godfather, right, of of all the religious leaders. And so this is serious. Peter's outside and he's going to be interrogated by a teenage servant girl. She's the nobody. And, And, you know, here's Peter, this big fisherman, this brave leader of the 12, the guy that that cut off this guy's ear just a few verses later. And so, you know, we're just kind of left suspenseful, like wondering what's going to happen. And, you know, as we as we ended with verse 27, I, I think if Peter's story had ended there, uh, it would be such a tragic story. It wouldn't be much different from Judas's story, but but Peter's denials and, and his restoration to, to Christ, it just reminds us that our failures never have to be the final word on our lives. You know, when I look at Peter, I'm reminded in in so many ways of my own life on a regular basis. I can look back and think of times where I failed to speak for Jesus when when I had that opportunity. Um, And sometimes it's just a split second, you know, to interject something about Jesus into a conversation. And man, my silence can be amazingly loud uh, in those moments. You know, sometimes people can go a very long time without ever just saying a good word for Jesus. And in moments like that, we're not much different than Peter. In moments like that, it's just a, a powerful reminder that it takes spirit-inspired courage for you and I to share Jesus with other people, but that's exactly what he's called us to do. To do. And, and, you know, maybe even worse, maybe for some of us, our spiritual lives have just completely collapsed like Peter. Uh, the good news is it doesn't have to be the period that defines your life. It doesn't have to be the end of the story. It could just be a comma in your story. Because as we've discovered again and again, you know, as we've studied through John's gospel, Jesus welcomes sinners who repent. Uh, and so what could have been a tragic ending to this once promising life 
becomes a fall that is only temporary. Because when you look at the book of Acts and, and you look at First and Second Peter, you know, you're reminded Peter didn't stay at that point where he fell. He, he turned back to the Savior. He was restored uh, to Jesus. And Jesus was able to do something in him that, that really couldn't have been done with, with the pre-fall Peter, the proud Peter, you know, the, the old Peter who was arrogant and, and condescending and said, hey, everyone else may fail you, but, but I'll die for you if that's what it comes to. But the Lord used Peter's failure to make him into the man who, who would one day write in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Well, that's all for today. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time. We'll be picking up in the last half of John chapter 18. See you then.